Wonderful. Well, good morning, everybody. It's, to be honest with you, really good to be back in church. I've been away for the last four weeks. I've had people come to me and say, hi, my name is Tom. Your name is? Joking. I did sign the visitor's register when I did come in this morning, just so that I can feel part of the process. Good morning to those that are online for joining us this morning. It's really, really good to have you with us. As you know, friends, we've been going through a journey of breaking strongholds, right? And over the last couple of weeks, the last nine weeks or so, we've had a look at various strongholds that we believe Scripture speaks to us and God has called us to break in our lives. And so we've covered topics like breaking strongholds around uh, sexual subjects, around financial strongholds, around um, de- uh, around oppression and shame, around strongholds of your name and various others, friends. And we really feel that God has spoken into the subject and that God has really done some heart work. And I trust that he's done heart work in your life as well and that he has shifted you. If you'll remember a couple of weeks back, we had these, these uh, what do we call them? These um, props, props, thanks God. And the whole idea, friends, around this journey was that we were called to move, not to set up and be happy with strongholds, not to become comfortable with strongholds, not to find workarounds in our lives and live with strongholds, but to break strongholds and to shift, friends, from having a stronghold in my life to this scripture over here that speaks about Jesus being the stronghold of our lives. And I trust that every one of us has been on a journey. And this morning, my incredible wife and I have have got the privilege, and to be honest with you, we ask you for some grace, because it's been interesting trying to work this thing out between us and how this is going to happen. This doesn't happen very often in Outlook Church, where there's tag team preaching. But we've worked the journey, friends, over the last number of years, and, and mainly Nikki, my wife, has walked the journey of addressing a stronghold that I feel is not just real for us but is real for many of us sitting here in this building and even some of those, those of us that are online. And so I ask you for grace this morning because this journey has been real for us. That's why you notice I have brought tissues. <laughs> We're going to be speaking this morning, friends, about the stronghold, the stronghold of depression. The stronghold of depression. And how depression, if you allow it to, can shape and form and distract and detract you from what God has called you to. And so I would love for us to bow our heads and to pray as we get started here. So Father, I thank you for your word. Even last night, Nick and I were praying and we were reminded where it says, Father, you said your word is living and active. And I pray this morning, Father, that your living and active word, not necessarily the spoken word this morning, but the living and active word of the Father that carries all power, carries all ability, carries all anointing, will go to work in our lives. Come and change us. Come and do the work that you deem necessary this morning, Father. Holy Spirit, thank you that ultimately you are the teacher. And that as much as we have prepared, you want to teach this morning. Come and open up the scriptures. Come and reveal truth this morning. Come and bring our hearts to a point of responding this morning. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Wonderful. 
So I'm going to hand over to Nix. She's got a story that she'd love to tell, and then I'm going to sit and watch her. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Carry on. Morning, everyone. Um, please be gracious. The nerves are very real, so I'm, I might read more than I speak, and I'm hoping that I don't. <laughs> so as we've been going through the Stronghold series, I'm sure you've noticed that our position or our posture makes a difference to how we see things. If we've placed Jesus at the forefront then everything we face and everything we do, we see through him. So right up front, I just want to clarify something. I don't suffer from depression. Have I been suffering? Has there been suffering? For sure. Maybe more for Quentin than for me. Uh, has there been depression? Definitely. But I don't claim depression as part of my identity. I don't have depression, but I do struggle with it. And I have for many years. Neither of us sit here qualified on paper to tell you about depression, but we have our story to tell, and we are here to say that Jesus is bigger than depression, and only he can heal you. Depression looks different for everyone. For some people, it's the big sad. Others, it's anxiety or panic attacks. For others, it's suicidal thoughts or just worry. But the general consensus is that a person becomes impaired in their daily life um, because they have a general sense of hopelessness. There's a lack of energy and a sense that everything is just not okay. So what did this look like for me, for us? Honestly, when I was in my deepest pit, I didn't think I was depressed. I just thought I'd lost some capacity. I thought I had too much on my plate. I wasn't prepared to give anything up because, you know, I'm a hard worker and I'm serving Jesus. But in all that commitment to doing all that I believed God wanted me to do, I, lost, I started to lose contact with who God called me to be. In John 10.10, 10, it says, For I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that's what I truly thought I was living. But it got all twisted up with what I thought was expected of me and what, have I, what I expected of myself. And so the very verse that I was trying to live out was the very thing that was binding me up. If you look at the beginning of the verse, it says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what was happening. Through it all, I lost my identity and I withdrew more and more, because I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. And I lost confidence in who I was. You see, depression can form part of your life so subtly that you don't even notice it. It's a subtle replacement of God's truth with a skewed truth. So a few reasons that people get depressed is a genetic disposition. And I truly feel that this was something that affected me. Although my dad was never clinically uh, diagnosed with depression, I believe he struggled with it. Sad songs, poetry, and melancholy was a little romanticized in our home. Then you could have a chemical imbalance in the brain. Um, this you could be born with or you develop. Traumatic experience can cause it. And I'd just like to validate here that if something has been traumatic for you, then it's truly traumatic and something needs to be worked through. You don't have to validate whether or not it was traumatic. And then illness and living in pain can also cause depression. 
So in my mind, I had no reason to not be coping. I had a lot going on, but we'd chosen to live that way. I didn't get sad, but I went from living to coping. I felt like I was always just being pushed from pillar to post. And a lot of it was my own doing. I had very specific opinions about just about everything. How my house must look. How my cupboards must be packed. How the car must be packed when you go on holiday. I mean, that's a real one. Um, How my kids must behave. What my kids must wear. What my husband must wear. What my, how my husband must behave. And the list goes on and on. But then we lost a baby. Some of you might remember that. We discovered at 17 weeks that our baby had a cystic hygroma. We prayed for four weeks for healing. But at 21 weeks, our baby died. Of course, then I had a lot to be sad about. But life carried on. It got busier. We had another baby, which God had promised us. Life carried on. And the more it did, the more I coped. Then my dad passed away. And I had even more to be sad about. Through all of this, though, I had an anchor scripture, which was 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 to 9. It says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We knocked down, but we are not destroyed. See, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that God was in control. But more than that, I really didn't know. Then I got sick. I was hospitalized with encephalitis for a week. At a follow-up appointment, my neurologist told me that the recovery might take a little while. I had no clue that that recovery would take three years of literal headaches. She suggested that I go on to antidepressants, which I was already on, and that I see a psychologist to help me navigate what life would look like. In Matthew 11, verse 28, it says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. In my 2020 vision of retrospect, I can see that I traded Jesus' yoke for my own at this point. So as, as Nikki was going through this journey, you can understand that as a husband and as a friend, I was going through a reciprocal journey as well. And although I can't necessarily recall the exact events as Nikki can and has, what I do recall, friends, are the overriding emotions of that time. And two of them predominantly stand out for me. The first emotion that I'd love to share with you this morning is the emotion of fear that you feel when, in this case, my wife my significant other person in my life, but any other person in that matter in your life. The fear that you feel, firstly, from a place of helplessness. Because honestly, did I know what to do as Nikki was going through this whole journey? No. 
Had we, had we faced this before? No. Had I read up and had found and, and, and educated myself in this? No, friends. And the end result was I felt incredibly helpless. Someone who had been signed up to be her helpmate in this situation was completely helpless. The fact that I knew nothing brought incredible fear. I felt a fear for the future as well. Having a wife in hospital with encephalitis, I was flooded with, with thoughts, friends, of, well, what is our future going to look like? I'd seen her progression. I'd seen her regression. And it culminated with my wife being in hospital. Dear Lord, what was our future going to look like? And if I'm honest with you, a fear that came from feeling that I was going to lose not only my wife emotionally, but I was going to lose her completely, friends. When she got admitted to hospital and her neurologist was explaining to her and educating us about what this is and the potentials, I'm sure you've been there when you start going to the worst places in your head about what the end result is going to be. And I can remember lying in my bed in Arboretum for those nights that Nikki was admitted to hospital, interceding with God for my wife's life. Incredibly fearful friends in that moment. I wasn't only feeling fear, but to be honest with you, and if I can be real with you friends, I felt incredible frustration as well. I felt Nikki just had to get over it. Just move on. Oh, for Pete's sake, just get out of bed. Just stop it. Stop it. It was incredibly frustrating, friends. A frustration that came from that there was no easy fix here. As we begin, began to understand what this meant, I caught myself time and time again wanting to run to some potential toolbox out there and grab a tool of some sorts and go to a heart and plunge it into a heart and fix her. But yet there was no easy fix. This was not going to be wake up tomorrow morning and the birds are singing and the sun is shining. This was going to be a journey. And as I'm, I'm sure many of you guys can understand as well. We just want to fix it. And there was no easy fix. And then once again, and this sounds incredibly selfish, but frustrated because I felt we had been robbed. The relationship that I thought I would have was not the one that I was having. The marriage that I thought I had was not the one that we were living Incredibly frustrated that that scripture that speaks about the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, that thing was working itself out in our lives as opposed to what follows when it says, I've come to give you an abundant life. And so there was a storm of emotions, friends, that was going on in my life as I was sitting watching my, life, my wife go through this journey. I added in this, this this morning. 
So what did I feel God say to me then in terms of, well, if there are things that you cannot control, what can you control? Ephesians 5.25 tells us, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I could not control physically what was happening in her body. I could not control necessarily emotionally or mentally what she was going through. But what I could control, friends, were the things that I could own. There were things that I could own in this journey. And so I had to learn these three things, amongst others. I had to learn to speak less and listen more. I had to understand that my wife doesn't always need a solution. All she needs is an empathetic ear. I had to learn to identify, friends, what she needs from me. And believe me, this is an incredibly complex woman sitting here. To get to understand what she needs, you need the grace of God. I, I had to learn, friends, to fill in the gaps when sometimes I didn't even know what those gaps were. And finally, I had to learn just to be present. Just to be present. You know, when things do not go according to plan, the easiest thing, friends, is for us to want to run, to take flight, to go and find, if it's not working here, and I'm not adding value here, to go and find somewhere else where I can add value, where I can make a difference. And I had to realize that I had to learn to be present, even if the outworking of that was not obvious. But just being present with Nikki in this journey was incredibly important to her. So I had to learn a couple of handles um, to help me climb out of the pit. And that's what makes it possible for me to sit here now and say that I truly believe I have victory over the stronghold. First, I had to confess. I needed to accept the fact that I'd allowed depression to become a stronghold in my life. It didn't make sense. It was illogical. But as I started to work things through with my psychologist, I realized that my thinking was skewed and I needed to adjust it. Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. I had to get on my knees and confess to God that I had allowed something higher authority in my life than he was. I had been trusting me and my abilities above him. Through this process, there were many moments of shame because I didn't like the reality of my situation. I shouldn't be in this place. But I've realized I had to face the reality of the issue because if you don't recognize it, you can't deal with it. Secondly, I had to be accountable. I had to accept help from people around me. I needed to allow my husband to help me through this. And I needed to open up to him and shame all the muck and all my perceived failures. I had found a Christian psychologist and I kept on seeing her. And I think it was a real divine move of God that my neurologist told me to see a psychologist because otherwise I probably would have just reasoned away the need for it. She helped me reformat my thinking. It wasn't brainwashing. For, me, for all my months of therapy and some of my own research, I've come to understand 
that our thought ways form pathways. The more you, th- what you think of most, and how you think of it, forms pathways in your brain. So, I'm sure you've seen in different spaces in the felt or whatever, where people walk most often, there are grooves in the soil, and it's just like that in our brain. Your brain doesn't identify whether your path is correct or not. It just forms the path most traveled on. So I needed to examine my thinking and then how I was thinking about it. And I needed to make sure that my thoughts lined up with the word of God. I needed to find those life-giving and truth pathways because my vision was skewed. My truth was not lined up with God's word. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior or customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So the way I had to do this was by reading the word of God. Understanding who he is and who Jesus is and what he's done for me. This can give you new perspective. Have you ever gotten dressed thinking you look a certain way? And then you look in the mirror and you realize oh my goodness, the skirt is too short, or the shirt is too big. It's, it's a little bit like that. We need to hold up our thoughts to the mirror of God's word and then adjust what needs to be adjusted. Often this requires an accountability partner because let's face it, it's very hard to see behind you when you're looking in the mirror. So secondly, we need God-fearing people who can help us check our blind spot. I had my doctor, I had Quinton, and a few close friends. I knew that they loved me and that they loved God. And so I could trust their responses. Even though sometimes their responses felt like they didn't fit, it wouldn't have because my thinking wasn't lined up with God. Thirdly, I needed to find my why. I needed to find my fighting point. When you face something like depression, it's really hard to get out of that pit. And so you need to find out why you need to get out the pit. I heard a preach so many years ago, um, and I realize I'm going to really mess it up badly. But the basis, basic premise of, or the basic storyline was that the Israelites, I think it was them, had to invade a certain land and kill all who were in the land. But they didn't. They made peace with them. And so a generation later, these very people that they were supposed to kill attacked them and many died. And so the sort of underlying thought of the, of the preach was, if you don't slay the giants in your life, your children are going to have to face them. And so this became our fighting point. Please help me. Sorry. This has been a very hard and long and sore journey And the last thing I want is to watch my children go through this because I didn't have a victory in it. And so for the sake of my kids, the generations to come, I knew that I could not stop fighting. Then fourthly, very practically, I needed to look at my house. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 2 it says, For God has bought you with a very high price, so you must honor him with your body. That means we need to look after it. Go see the doctor. If he recommends medication, then speak to some people and take it. Sometimes we are so deep in the pit of despair, we can't even see the top. Medication can allow you to find the footholds to get to the top 
and perhaps that all, that's all you need just to help you get, out, get there. Sometimes, though, it is required for longer. But be patient with yourself. Be kind with yourself. If you feel medication is not helping or is changing who you are, go back to your doctor. Because there are many things out there that can help you. But sometimes it takes a little while to find what works. Then you need to make sure you're sleeping enough. Lack of sleep impairs brain function. Make sure you're eating the right things. Make sure you're socializing. I'm sure we've all realized through COVID how much we gain from being around people. And so we, need, we were made to live in community, and we need that. Even if you're an introvert, you need one or two people that you're socializing with. Make sure you're exercising and build margin into your life. Has this been an easy journey? Definitely not. There were many times when it was too hard for me to pray. It was too hard for me to praise. But I knew that healing was found in the presence of Jesus. And so I downloaded the Bible on my phone, and I would listen to it while I drove. I didn't take everything in, but I knew it was God's word washing over me. I listened to praise music because I knew I needed to be found at his feet. And sometimes it was just too hard for me to do it on my own. This is not a battle that's just physical. It's not just mental. This is a spiritual battle, and you cannot do it on your own. You need Jesus, and you need to have faith. So we know, friends, that there's that scripture that speaks that says that our fight is not just against flesh and blood, but our fight is a fight of faith. And so I'd love to leave us this morning, friends, with not just what Nikki has shared around some practical steps to take, but also to add to that just some faith reminders. We need to have faith in the Word of God, friends. Isaiah 55, verses 11 says, It is the same with my Word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Previous folk that have stood up here have, have, have referred to life scriptures. Friends, when you are in the pit, it is God's word that we stand on to find our stability. We need to have faith in God's timing. And as I share, this is one that I was personally tested with. Because we want it to happen now. We want it to happen according to our timeline and according to our time frame. But we see Philippians 1.6 reminds us, friends, that our God, who began a good work, will complete everything that he begins. And we had faith that God was at work and that he would complete what it is he was doing in Nikki's life. We also need to have faith, friends, in God's ways. Nikki shares our very real story, friends, around the loss of our child. And did we have faith in that moment, in four weeks of prayer meeting upon prayer meeting upon prayer meeting, praying for you? We had faith, friends. But we also had faith that God works in different ways. When it comes to Nikki's healing journey, God worked through prayer, God worked through medicine, God worked through doctors, God worked through a community, friends. God works in multiple ways. 
And then finally, friends, we have to have faith in God's Son. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Apart from Jesus, friends, there is no true salvation. There is no true life. Whether it is life here on earth or whether it is life in eternity, we sang it to this morning. We call on the name of Jesus, friends. So is our journey over? Not yet. But we have victory because we're looking to Jesus to complete the healing. We don't give depression authority over us. Depression is not God's will for my life or for anybody else. He wants us to live free of illness, and that includes mental and physical illness, and that is what we pray for. Wonderful. So I would love for us to stand, because I'd love to conclude, friends, by just reading that text in Matthew 11 again. This is Jesus speaking. When he said, and he identified with all of us in weakness. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Friends, I just want to highlight, could we? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. As I was praying this week, friends, for this message, what stood out to me that Jesus said, come to me. He didn't say, come to me only when you're well, when you've got it together, when you're the complete package. He said, come to me. I can deal with your guilt. I can deal with your shame. I can deal with your weakness. He said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart friends the student's journey of learning is not overnight and I would love to encourage you this morning to say that this is a journey that we're on and that we're journeying towards Jesus we are journeying towards a place of freedom for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give you is light what we had to learn friends is that there was and still is a daily decision to do a supernatural transaction is to give to Jesus what he can carry and take upon yourself what Jesus has destined for you And so I don't know if anything of what we have shared this morning resonates with anybody here this morning. But I sincerely believe, friends, that this morning, Jesus wants to come and minister.
So won't you close your eyes if you're comfortable? And just respond in a way that if you're feeling you need to respond this morning is appropriate. I was reminded this morning, friends, that Jesus works in our hearts through obedience. Jesus works through our lives in surrender, friends. And so, Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, as those that love you. We come to you this morning as those, Heavenly Father, that are open as those that want to hear your word and respond to your word this morning. And so I pray this morning, would you come and take this word? Would you come, Father, when you speak about bringing life and life in abundance, would you bring that about? Father, where we need to come to a place of submission, where we need to come to a place, Heavenly Father, of softening our hearts because through situation and circumstances, our hearts have become hardened. This morning we choose to soften our hearts. We choose to give you our hearts. And we ask you, Lord, come and bring about the healing that is needed in our lives so that, Father, we would carry a testimony of the goodness of the Father and that we would carry a testimony of the love of Jesus to a world that is needing to hear about your Son. Work in us, Father, we pray, and work through us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Friends, so that brings us to then to the conclusion would love to invite you if there is anybody that feels like they would need some prayer or maybe just an opportunity for further ministry we do have a team that can minister and pray with you and stand alongside and encourage you please won't you come up to the front otherwise please enjoy some coffee enjoy some fellowship please enjoy one another and then go and enjoy your day god bless tithes and offerings in the boxes as you leave as well god bless and we will see you soon thank you